Entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Been a great third down defense the last two weeks. The Steelers have got an interception and a run back all the way home. It's Belaine with the touchdown on the pick six. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Mahomes drifting downfield. Intercepted. His first of the season, Jeff Heath. Now in hour number two on this Monday edition, you never know what you're going to get. Play it simple, especially when Marco D'Angelo is in the house. Marco joins on joins us on Monday and Friday. That's how Marco's feeling after the uh, the Dallas Cowboys San Francisco 49 game. Please, please stop, stop. Because uh, some of us had a winner in the San Francisco game. All right, there it is. All right, we continue on hour number two, talking NFL playoff football, the divisional round yesterday. We're going to talk to our good friend Chuck Esposito at Red Rock and how that went uh, for the sports books, and also a look ahead at the AFC and NFC Championship Games coming up on Sunday. Looking forward to that, no doubt about it. All right, we'll talk a little VGK this hour as well, too. Marco in the house, he's going to hang with us for this hour, so appreciate that. Marco D'Angelo, of course, at wagertalk.com. Go to Go to Wager Talk and get Marco's uh, selections. Doesn't matter the sport, you know? And uh, he's uh, on fire as well right now in the NBA and college hoops. That's about right, isn't it? You know? We've been nice, nice run, 17 and 6, but three of the three of the six losses came yesterday. No, that's okay. <laughs> Full disclosure. We we tell you when we win, we tell you when we lose. We'll talk about some hoops uh, next segment. But right now, let's uh, go out to Red Rock and talk to our good friend Chuck Esposito. Chuck, what's going on, brother? All good, T. Just uh, getting ready for the two championship games this weekend. We now know who the, the final four are, and uh, I don't think it's a big surprise. Maybe Cincy a tiny bit, but I don't think the other three are a big surprise, and Cincy looked awfully good uh, over the weekend. No, they did, Chuck, and that's what I say. You know, Basically, you got one surprise, and like you said, it was one mild surprise, and then we had three doses of reality, and, and the reality being that you know Philadelphia and San Francisco – Especially those two teams are reminding you, hey, how good we are. I mean, we're, we're good. Uh, we, you know, the San Francisco 49ers have won 12 games in a row for a reason. And Philly, you know, a lot of people, you know, were kind of like reserving judgment on the Philadelphia Eagles. Hey, they were number seven seed last year. They kind of faltered at, at the end of the regular season. Of course, a lot of that tied into the injury to Jalen Hurts. But as we know, Chuck, there were a lot of people that were, on the Giants this past week. They wanted to take, you know, seven and a half points. And Philadelphia said, hey, here's a little reality. We're the number one seed. And, uh, you know, we're going to come out and spank you. And they did by jumping out to that 28 nothing halftime lead to win, uh, 38 to seven. But that's the way I kind of saw it. Uh, and like you mentioned, you know, the, the Chiefs, they hung in there as well, too. But you're right. Let's start with the Bengals, Chuck. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, they are a very, very good football team. And it just seemed like you guys got a lot of Buffalo Bills money over the weekend. Yeah, I think, to, you know, number one, keeping all four games under uh, was huge for our side of the counter. Um, I, I think you look at Cincinnati and in their game coming up with Kansas City, uh, you know, they do everything better than what Jacksonville did. And Jacksonville, you know, had their shots against Kansas City. Kansas City, outside of Mahomes and Kelsey, didn't do much offensively. Um, you look at Cincinnati, the way they dominated against Buffalo. I mean, the, the, their worst offensive, you know, outing of the season, Buffalo yardage-wise, uh, at home in that weather, and they couldn't take advantage of it. Cincinnati jumped on them early, uh, you know, dominated throughout the course of the game, had a touchdown call back. But this Bengal team's been really, really good. I mean, we have to remember that they were in the Super Bowl last year. Um, you know, I, I think when you look at kind of what, where we saw sharp money over the last, you know, two months of the season on the future book, a lot of it came in on Cincinnati. So a lot of people believe in this team. I think now the fact that you've got a quarterback in Patrick Mahomes that's not 100%, we see this number that continue to kick, uh, tick up higher and higher on Cincinnati. We were an outlier early in the day when you saw Cincinnati the favorite and then that number creeping up, and everyone pretty much has followed suit. Um, because of that. So, I mean, it, it's a Bengal team that's really good. And, and I think w- with the injury to Mahomes, I think that clearly could be the difference maker. And you have to remember, in Joe Burrow's career, the Cincinnati Bengals are 3-0 and 
against the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, we know that, Chuck. And how about the last two games? Identical scores, 27-24, and really coming down to to the turnovers in the end by Kansas City, which uh, got the Bengals it was a two narrow three-point uh, victories. But uh, we'll, we'll dive into that here in a minute. I wanted to kind of recap these games with you, Chuck, you know, one by one, since we're talking about, you know, Cincinnati and Buffalo. Um, we know that this game, you know, closed at, you know, at Buffalo six, and we saw, you know, the line move up and, you know, steady, steady. Uh, I know that you guys had to be Bengals fans, you know, yesterday with that game. Uh, how one sided were the tickets or, or, or was that, you know, maybe not the case, you know, with Buffalo? No, we were clearly, um, Bengal fans in that game, T. Um, you know, we needed the game under, we needed the Bengals, you know, a Bengal outright win was better. Uh, sharp money was clearly on the Bills. Um, but the ticket counts favored Cincinnati. Uh, I'm really impressed with, with the Bengals, though. I mean, defensively, they played arguably their best game of the year. You've got those two big wideouts in Chase and Higgins. Hurst got into the mix. Uh, Mixon got into the end zone, which he only scored, I think, once since week 11. But I was really re- impressed with them defensively. Uh, and that, to me, was the big difference maker. But we were Bengal fans, and uh, I, I can't stress enough, though, uh, the biggest piece of the weekend was keeping these four games under, uh, which really was favorable for our side of the counter. You're right, 4-0 on the, on the underside, and the game's on Sunday, not even close uh, to coming you know, towards an over you know, there. I mean, all, all four um, you know, you know, cash. And like I said, it's just, you know, the most of the public loves betting these overs. Yeah, they do. And, and especially what you saw kind of, you know, the college bowl games, um, the way that uh, toward the end, you saw a lot of games go over. You saw the wild card round. You had a, a high percentage of the games go over. And I think just with the offenses that were on the field, the last time that, you know, uh, Philly and Dallas played, the way that game, you know, was scored and went over, I think everyone expected um, a lot more scoring than you got. But, I mean, you have to remember the old adage about, you know, defense wins championships. We know offense is pretty and it's exciting and it's dynamic and people love to watch it, but it really is defense that, that ultimately wins championships. And I thought both Dallas and San Francisco played great. Uh, defense yesterday. The difference maker really was that a young quarterback in Brock Purdy outplayed Dak Prescott. I mean, Prescott's two turnovers, were, one was in their own red zone, one was in um, uh, Dow- in, uh, in the Philadelphia's red zone, or San Francisco's red zone, and, you know, you just can't make turnovers like that. I, I was really impressed with, with kind of the poise of Purdy late in the game. I thought he played a really good game, you know, all things considering. I mean, this team's on a big-time winning streak right now. Um, you know, he was the guy, I think, that we worried about in a close game, in a game where, you know, they weren't as dominant as they had been the second half of the season against kind of the lower echelon of the league. Um, but he played great, you know, even though he was sacked a number of times, he didn't have big yardage stats. I was really impressed with the poise of Brock Purdy. And, and again, he, he clearly outplayed uh, his counterpart with Dallas. On the flip side, Dallas, they can run the ball. We know that, um, you know, they had the injury at running back, of course, uh, yesterday to Pollard. They can run the ball. They can flat out play defense as well. Um, but they're a team that needs to get better quarterback play. And, you know, we touched on it last week. Prescott still led the league in interceptions, although he missed five games. And those two interceptions yesterday were clearly the difference maker uh, in them losing and not coming out with a victory in San Francisco. No, you're right. And, you know, turnovers uh, will kill you. I mean, that was the case with, with Kansas City and Jacksonville. When you look at the stats on both of those games, Kansas City, Jacksonville, and San Francisco and Dallas, they're pretty much even. If you just, you know, didn't look at the final score, you'd say, wow, this, this had to be a very, very, you know, you know, close game here. And, uh, the bottom line was you, you had the, the interceptions by Prescott and then you had the two turnovers, uh, by Jacksonville. That's, that's what cost them. And Kansas City, you know, you know, took, took care of the football and San Francisco pretty much did themselves as well, except for the Ray Ray McLeod fumble. But he kind of, you know, atoned for that later with the long kickoff return. Uh, you know, you back to San Francisco, Chuck, you know, we talk about Brock Purdy. This guy, I think that was the big test for uh, including myself. I was like, okay, he's facing probably the toughest defense that he's faced all season long. And, he passed the test there. I mean, and again, what San Francisco does, they're putting Kittle all over the field and Debo Samuel, the same thing. And you got Brandon Ayuk and then you got McCaffrey and hand the ball off to him or, you know, get him, you know, swinging out of the backfield. And Brock Purdy did not make any mistakes. And people can joke all they want talking about game manager or whatever, but this is a young kid who has the maturity level right now that just really stands out to me. 
And this is why San Francisco is who they are and why they've won 11 in a row, because they are consistent, they are smart, and they were clearly the more physical team yesterday against the Cowboys. I thought they both were pretty physical, T, but but I agree with you. I mean, the turnovers really make the difference, I think, at this time of the year. And I know that it was going to be a hard-pressed anyway for Dallas on that last drive to go down and score a touchdown. Number one, I I question their last actual play of the game. But if you remember, their their first play on that last drive really should have been a pick six. Um, It it was dropped. Um, It would have been his third interception. I don't know how San Francisco did. I don't remember which player it was, but that should have been a pick six. So, but I think in Purdy's case, you know, when you have a team that is so good defensively and they gave up the fewest amount of points the entire season, you've got a great skill position nucleus. The, the acquisition of McCaffrey really solidified, you know, the running game. Um, uh, you still have Elijah Mitchell. And then on the wideouts, when you've got a guy like Ayuk and, of course, you've got Debo Samuel, and then the relationship between Kittle um, and, and Purdy right now is so strong that you've got all the pieces there. You're just asking Purdy, don't turn the ball over. Don't make that costly mistake. And we're going to have a chance to win. And that's clearly what he's done. I think on the other side of the field, they have that. You've got two really good running backs. You've got CeeDee Lamb. You've got Schultz at tight end. You've got a defense led by Micah Parsons. You're just asking Dak, don't make the mistakes. And, and he made the mistakes. And a young quarterback who hasn't lost yet and hasn't turned the ball over didn't. And I think that's the difference, and that's why we're talking about San Francisco playing next Sunday um, in Philadelphia. Chuck Esposito joins us at Red Rock, uh, Chuck Executive Director of the Station Casino Properties. Uh, Chuck, let's talk a little bit about the Patrick Mahomes injury. And when we saw him limp off, uh, and thank goodness we talked about this, you know, last hour that you have a veteran like Chan Henney who came in here and engineered that 98 yard touchdown drive. So huge for the Chiefs, you know, and again, especially come playoff time here when you lose a guy like Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that could be death for you, but to kudos to Henney, kudos to Andy Reid, uh, for being able to, to manage that situation. When we came to halftime and there really was a lot of question marks on whether Mahomes is going to come back or not, uh, was that a tough halftime line to make? It, it definitely was. I mean, when you know, I, I think the, the impact of the quarterback, and I know we've chatted about this, T, um, it, it's dramatic to the line, and especially when you've got a quarterback of, of Patrick Mahomes um, and, and Chad Henney. He's been in the league for a long time, I think 15 years. Um, you know, most of those as a backup, hasn't had a lot of playing time this year. Um, it's a huge difference, you know, and, and even you're seeing that, I think, with the Bengals now the favorite um, in, in the late game on Sunday. And I think that number is going to continue to creep up even even higher than where it currently is because you have a Patrick Mahomes that's not 100 percent. And you've got a Cincy defense that really was smothering against Josh Allen. So I think that number is going to go up. And, you know, if he's not starting this game, if right now they said that you're not going to see. Um, Patrick Mahomes, this number would clearly shoot up to, you know, probably closer to, you know, four and a half, five, maybe even six. You know, that's what the drop off is, you know, from Mahomes to, to Chad Henney. And, and it would have probably been higher from the very beginning if you knew that, but you, you, you know, the Kansas City actually opened the favorite, but it's, it's huge when you're talking about guys like, you know, Hertz or, or Burrow or Allen or Mahomes. There is a huge drop off. Um, to the backup quarterback. And, and this league, who is, is so quarterback-driven, um, for the most part, teams don't have a, a backup that's nearly as capable as the starter. I guess, unless you're San Francisco, and you can go to your third-string quarterback and Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy, who's just been phenomenal. <laughs> and, and news coming out of San Francisco today, and it just I mean, it really has nothing to do with the game, but it's funny that we get this today. We haven't heard Jimmy Garoppolo's name mentioned at all, and now the Niners are saying that um, that Jimmy Garoppolo is uh, going to have x-rays uh, tomorrow. He's not expected to practice this week, but... Uh, I don't think anyone's thinking or talking or want to hear about Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco right now. It's all about Brock Purdy, especially now it seems like, Chuck, everybody's comparing him to Tom Brady. Hey, we got a sixth-round pick, seventh-round pick. But you know what? It's you know What he did yesterday against Dallas, and even though they were at home and everything, we know Dallas is a little, little, little schizo. I mean, they do have a, a top-notch defense, and Purdy accounted himself exceptionally well, as, as we've already said. But, uh, 
Yeah, I'm 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 looking looking. I mean, he that. he did tee. Not that he was phenomenal. No, you know, I mean, yeah. it's not like it's the, the best quarterback performance we've ever seen. But I, I really think that you know he, he does show a lot of poise. He doesn't panic. He hasn't turned the ball over. And I think the biggest thing is that he went to a situation that is great for any young quarterback. You know, you see so many young quarterbacks come to this league who are highly drafted, and they're going to a team that is drafting them because they're not a very good team. They're a young quarterback that is expected to be the savior from day one for not a very good team. Purdy was able to start for a team that had a great nucleus of skill position players, a good coach, you know, offensive-minded quarterback coach, and a phenomenal defense. So you couldn't have asked for a better spot for a young quarterback. Now, does he still have to excel in that role and, and, and manage the game right and not turn it over? Absolutely. But he's done a great job of doing that. So, Chuck, let's talk a little bit about uh, the other games there over the weekend. We talked about Kansas City in, in Jacksonville. Uh, the Cincinnati-Buffalo game, uh, we mentioned that, where it was really no contest. And really, it, the Philadelphia Eagles was no contest as well, too. What kind of ticket count was there with that? Because we really didn't see much line movement in the Eagle-Giant game. We saw seven and a halfs, and it seemed to just to stay there. Was that pretty much accurate? Actually, T, it did tick up to eight and a half. Um, we saw some late sharp action, and the public was clearly on the Eagles late. Early action, early sharp was in the Giants. Ticket counts did favor the Giants, but as we got closer and closer to, to kickoff of that late game on Saturday, you started to see um, a lot more Eagle money show. Um, so, you know, th- that buy helped them. Hurts looked like the Hurts late in the season before the injury. I mean, he, he looked great with some of those deep passes that he threw. He still had the running touchdown. Um, it really is going to be an interesting NFC title game when you've got San Francisco's defense against one of the top two offenses in the league in Philadelphia. Uh, Eagles are a small favorite. It, it's a tough place to go play. I think when you talk about some of the tougher venues in the league, you're going to put Philly and, and Kansas City, you know, at least in your top five. And I think KC's probably one or two. Um, so it, it does present some problems, I think, for the other teams. But uh, it was good to see Hurts back in the way he played, and I'm I'm anxious to see the way that game is ultimately bet. We saw some early play on the Eagles. We've seen some late money now. I shouldn't say late, but secondary money now. You know, it's Monday come in on the on the Niners, but uh, um, it, it's going to be an interesting game, I think, with the offense defense dynamic of these two teams. Yeah, no question about it, and especially with the uh, the Niners defense and the Philadelphia defense, you know, right behind San Francisco. The line currently sits at Philadelphia two and a half total in this one, forty five and a half. Uh, that'll be the first game on Sunday. Again, this game will be in Philadelphia. It's a battle of the top two seeds. We talk about the young quarterbacks, the battle of defenses. Uh, here's one for you, Chuck, and I don't know if uh, you remember this or Marco may re- remember this, but these two quarterbacks actually faced off against each other going back, I think it was, what, three years ago when they were in college, and it was Jalen Hurts when he was at Oklahoma, you know, before he came out of the NFL against Brock Purdy. How about these stats? Jalen Hurts, all right, 341 yards, five touchdowns. Brock Purdy, 337 yards, six touchdowns. And Oklahoma wins the game 42-21. to I remember that game. What a shootout. How about that, Chuck? How about if we have that kind of game uh, on Sunday? Well, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, if it was 42-21, to how did Brock Purdy have six touchdowns? Uh, because he, he, let's see, six times seven is 42, right? We right. said Oklahoma won. Oklahoma won, yeah. right? But they, yeah, they missed a couple extra points. But Brock Purdy. No, but 21 is only three touchdowns. Yeah, Purdy couldn't have had six. No, it's 42 to 41. Oh, you said 21. Oh, you said 21. You said 21. Oh, I did. I'm sorry. Oh, 42 to 41. My, 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 yeah, yeah. Well, it was 42 yeah, to like, 41 at one point. Right it's 42 to 21 at the start of the, the fourth, fourth quarter. And then Brock yeah, just yeah. unlocked. Right. That's yeah. what you failed to mention. But, uh, well, no, um, I, that, you know. My bad. I, I meant 41. I said 21. I had 21 in the brain, okay? Um, maybe right, I'm going to play worry. blackjack at the Red Rock. You know, maybe that's no, what no, I was no, doing Friday night after I went to hang But, you know, Number one, they weren't going against the Eagles or Niners defense, so I don't expect it to be forty-two, forty-one. Um, but hey, you know they got a little bit of history. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But uh, um, hey, I, I think when when we talked about the future book odds and we went back, you know, a month, six weeks, eight weeks, we kept talking that we we really felt that 
anything can happen, but realistically, there was probably five five or six teams that we felt would be playing um, on that second um, Sunday in February, and these were four of the five or six teams that we talked about. So I don't think it's a surprise to anybody that you're getting it to play out this way. Um, we know how good Andy Reid has been, you know, coming off that bye. Um, you've got both teams that came off the bye hosting games here. Um, and, you know, future book-wise, we're in really good shape with the Eagles and Giants, pretty good shape with the Bengals. I think I can speak as an industry just from talking to some of my counterparts that there is some liability, I think, industry-wide on San Francisco that I think everybody and, you know, even our side of the counter, maybe we us underestimated, you know, how good they could possibly be with uh, Brock Purdy. I don't think anybody expected him to go undefeated, not turn the ball over, um, and look as poised as he as he's looked and been as good as he is. But um, you know, and I think we raised San Francisco up with that, thinking, hey, it's going to be awfully tough for you know a rookie quarterback to take this team on his back and get him to the Super Bowl. But he has. But I think that helped create some liability on the 49ers industry-wide. All right, Chuck Esposito joins us over at Red Rock, along with myself, Marco D'Angelo, in the house. Chuck, I got a two-part question for you. First one is the past, and the second one is the future. How bad okay. was it Saturday, teaser-wise, with the Kansas City-Philadelphia teaser that everybody played? And with that, fast-forwarding to this week, you have a game, both games are, like we like to say, it is a Wong, Stanford Wong teaser, the, the natural teasers. Do you expect a lot of teasers with this game this week? Yeah, first, Marco, it's always great to chat with you. And it wasn't horrific. Uh, again, I think the, the unders are what kind of saved us. Um, as I mentioned to, to T, that was a big part of it. Both days were, were fairly good days, um, for us, the way it kind of broke down. Um, but you're right. I mean, anytime you've got teams that are so closely matched like this and the numbers, uh, so, so close, uh, teasers do become something that, you know, we see a lot of action on in the postseason and we're looking at. And in many cases, I mean, it's, it's you actually need teams to to maybe win by a big number to kind of eliminate the teaser sometimes where you don't where you're not paying off on both sides. Uh, my guess is at the end of the weekend, if it works out where you know we, we end up paying somehow, you know all eight possible scenarios that um, it, it's a. Uh, uh, it's not a good thing. So, you know, you're really rooting that it doesn't come where you're paying, you know, both teams and both over and under um, on both games. But uh, we'll be rooting against that. But you do see an increase on, on teaser action, um, you know, especially when it's isolated games like this, close numbers, and the other side of the counter, the guests think they're getting some value um, with putting themselves in a position of getting those additional points. So, Championship game Sunday, as we mentioned, it'll be San Francisco and Philadelphia in game one. The second game, Cincy and KC, virtually a pick right now. Chuck, talk about how tough it was to make this line the in the opening line here, considering what we talked about already about not knowing about the health of Patrick Mahomes. Talk about those discussions. Yeah, it's really hard, T. I mean, we, we opened the game, um, you know, pick. Uh, it went to Cincinnati one, back to pick. Um, and now it's even raised higher than that. But the, the key really is Mahomes. I mean, most, you know, players, I mean, you've seen key players, running backs, receivers, quarterbacks over the last several years with high ankle sprains actually miss multiple games. Uh, the fact that he stayed in that game and played uh, and came back the second half is a tribute to him. However, you know, you, you know that he's going to have to be getting work almost every single day. He's probably not going to practice a lot. They're going to try to keep any, any swelling down, keep him in the best shape that you can keep him in to take the field. And he is a difference maker, of course. But when you watched him, you know, the struggles he had even handing off, um, and they're playing against the Cincinnati defense that was smothering to Josh Allen, it's definitely a concern. And I think that's why you've seen this number start to creep up. Again, we were on an island when we had Cincinnati the favorite and then above, you know, one. And I think that trend's going to continue, and you're going to see this number go even higher, even if you hear. I mean, and I don't expect, suspect we're going to hear anything different that Mahomes isn't going to play, but I just think it's a Cincy team right now that is better than this Jacksonville team. And I think you look at Burrow and how he's played with those two wideouts, and 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 it was all Mahomes and Kelsey. There was not a whole lot of downfield. Kansas City's played a lot of close games this year. They have not been point-spread darlings. I really think you're going to see this Cincinnati number continue to tick up. Chuck, you've been in this industry a long, long time, and I know you can remember that 
you know, when you would have situations like this way back in the day where you guys would not put up a line immediately, you guys, well, we're going to have to wait and see how this plays out. But now we see that, you know, with so much information, everything out there, it does hinder you to not put up a line. You, you've got to put up something, right? Because you want to start engaging that, but that can also be a little bit dangerous as well, too, right? So that's why, you know, the question about, okay, you know, the thought process of going in, you know, putting up a line, you know, six days in advance here, because, you know, obviously you want to, to generate the action. So, I mean, I guess, how conscious are you of that? And just talk about the industry as a whole, how it's kind of developed from way back in those days where, you know, you, you would, you would have maybe a situation like this with a star quarterback, arguably the best quarterback in the league, you know, not knowing if he's going to play, you'd have that game off the board for a couple of days. Yeah, but, but you said it, T. It's about information, and we are in information era right now. And, you know, as we're trying to find out what exact his status is, uh, the guests on the other side of the counter are trying to do the exact same thing. So we're going to monitor it closely. You may see uh, the game, you know, uh, move move quicker early in the week. But, hey, it's the two championship games. Uh, you know, we'll know Sunday who's going to be playing in the Super Bowl. We want to make sure to get this game on the board. I, I think there's as much uncertainty uh, from the other side of the counter as there is on this side of the counter. Uh, in a perfect world, you'd like to know that all the star players are, you know, all the stars have aligned and everyone's going to play and you're, you're ready to roll. Um, and it is one of the most impactful players in the league. Um, Kansas City, again, offensively this year, they weren't as dynamic. Um, they scored a lot of touchdowns. They were fun to watch. But, I mean, it is really Mahomes and Kelsey more than anything else. Um, they've got other guys, but they don't have number 10 anymore. And you could tell the offense was a little bit different. But they still have that quarterback who, you know, five straight years now as a starter, he's gotten to the championship game. And there's a reason they're as good as they are. Um, but the uncertainty definitely puts, you know, a little bit of a question mark, I think, not only in our heads, but also the guys on the other side of the counter. Chuck, I think you guys get a lot of practice of uh, moving on the fly every day with the NBA is you never know lineups all day <laughs> don't, long. Don't start me on that, Marco. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's not fun for us either. Uh, you make a bet and you find out three hours later that uh, you're, <laughs> you got a number that's dead. <laughs> Four-point move. Yeah, it's, I mean, Load and, and management. those are not you know, anything you expect. Yeah. I mean, in football, for the most part, you know uh, Mahomes is injured or other players could be injured. You're not hearing, you know, like you said, a couple hours later, up oh, it's a maintenance day. <laughs> and, you know, it's like uh, totally unexpected at that point. But, again, you know, I, I think the industry as a whole, guys, is so different now. Being in an information era, I mean, we're constantly looking and monitoring and, and assessing and, and discussing, you know, what we hear and see and, and who's betting. And I think the other guys in the counter are that much more educated, too. I think the guests do a, a really good job of doing their homework and staying on top of it. Um, but it has been dramatically different. And, and now, you know, you've got guests that are able to play uh, through the mobile app. So they get this information or they think it's advantageous information at the time. They're able to bet, you know, pretty much simultaneously from getting that. So it's key that we're monitoring it and staying on top of it as well. I want to know which one of those guys back in your locker room there, Chuck, uh, you know, takes more load management days. I'm, I'm guessing it's Symbol. Symbol has those maintenance, those load management days, right? Uh, I'm not commenting on that, boy. <laughs> He's Chuck Esposito. Great stuff. Real quick, Chuck, uh, liability futures. I, I would imagine the Niners are are big liability for you guys. Anybody else out there? Yeah, not big, but I mean, there definitely is some uh, really good shape with uh, with the Andy Reid ball if it comes uh, Eagles Chiefs, right? And pretty good shape with the Bengals. Bengals have been a team, though. Not that their odds were overly high, but they were just a team that you know you, you could tell that uh, some sharp action really came in on the Bengals over the last kind of six weeks or so on the future book when, when we'd post that and put it back on the board every week. So, uh, hey, I'm anxious to see these two games. We'll have the, the Super Bowl up, you know, as the second game is ending or before it even ends. If it's a blowout, hope they're great games, and uh, we'll see how it plays out, guys. And there'll be just a ton of props available for these two games 
And we've already started working on big game props. So uh, our packet will be available, you know, sometime that, that following week. So excited about that as well. And yeah, nobody does it better than you guys at stations, uh, like you said, with the props, uh, you know, pages after pages of stuff. And like I said, all, all that stuff's available on the app. You got the kiosks there in the sports book. And of course, from a viewing aspect, uh, fantastic as well, too. So make sure you go out to any of the station casino properties and check that out. And also, of course, it goes without saying the food options. And Marco, Marco can join <laughs> me with that, Chuck. That. He I knew knows. you had to get to that thing. Uh, it's, it, it's, you know, again, I mean, football, basketball, it doesn't matter, baseball, whatever, and the food, they go hand in hand. You, you know, you spend six hours out there. I mean, I'm not the only guy. My, my tag team partner, Marco, <laughs> does, Marco does the same thing, you know, between little. I love it, boys. I love it. Spend the six hours out here. I mean, everybody come on out and have some fun and enjoy, you know, all the things that we have to offer. Not only a Red Rock, but all of our properties, sure. and, and of course the, the experience of watching a game in our books with the big video walls. I mean, you really feel like you're in the action. Uh, so come on out, enjoy this weekend. It should be a, should be fun uh, as we get ready to see who's going to be playing February twelfth. And Chuck, I think Marco is becoming a close second to me when it comes to posting food pictures from your establishments. Okay, I'm just telling you. So be, beware this this guy. I don't know. I kind of created a monster here. You know. Yeah, but that's all right. <laughs> all good stuff, boys. All good stuff. I need I need some residuals for sending him to T Bones because he was always a Hanks <laughs> guy. <Yeah. laughs> all right, buddy, you got it. Keep, keep it in the family. There, there we go, Chuck. We appreciate it as always. Uh, have a good one uh, over the course of the weekend, my friend. All right, boys. You guys too, and I'll talk to you soon. There he is, Chuck Esposito joins us on Mondays, right here, breaking it down for you. All right, yes, all four unders cash in favorites two and two over the course of the weekend. And you can make the case, eh, it probably should have been three and one with that Kansas City game. But uh, there you go. But yeah, favorites, but unders, unders cashing in. It'll be interesting to see uh, where the money goes and chart the weather both in Kansas City and Philly as we approach Sunday. All right, when we come back, Marco is with us. Uh, We're going to talk a little VGK, some hoops, and uh, also the news that broke yesterday regarding the Las Vegas Aces losing one of their longtime key members to a trade. Now, now, more from your favorite sports radio physician, the Dr. T.C. Martin. All right, don't forget, we've got plenty of stuff that we're going to be giving away, including Ringo Starr tickets coming your way. Um, That's coming up next month, so hang tight for that. And then Cool and the Gang in concert coming your way February 10th and 11th. Looking forward to that at the Westgate inside the International Theater. Yeah, we're going to get down on it a little bit. Even Marco D'Angelo is going to get down on it, I think. Look out there. Cool and the gang at the Westgate. Get your tickets, Ticketmaster, or there at the Westgate. Uh, great shows over at the Westgate as well, too. The Motown show, uh, fantastic. Saw that again recently. Uh, love the performances uh, they have there as well, too. But, uh, yeah, food and uh, the entertainment and, of course, the world-famous Superbook at the Westgate Las Vegas. All right, uh, the breaking news uh, from yesterday, the uh, Las Vegas Aces announced... <laughs> A trade, and this really hits a lot of the fan base uh, pretty hard here, uh, including myself. You know, uh, Derek Hamby was traded by the Las Vegas Aces to the Los Angeles Sparks for a draft pick um, next year. As and uh, actually, the Aces gave up a draft pick and Derek Hamby to the LA Sparks for Amanda Zui B. And um, Amanda Zui B has been in this league. Almost as long as Derek Hamby. Um, she's 29 years old, but a very good player. Played for a couple different teams. Um, has size. A very good three-point shooter. So she will be a welcome addition to the Aces from that standpoint. Someone who could uh, match up uh, and play with Asia Wilson, you know, down low, but can also extend the floor uh, as well. But uh, unfortunately, the sad part here is that Derek Hamby is no longer a member of the Aces. Uh, Derek Hamby, as we've talked about before, uh, is pregnant with her second child on the way. Um, this was announced at the parade, you know, going back, uh, into, uh, September. And, uh, 
didn't know how much time that she was going to miss this year. So from the Aces perspective, and again, this is not coming from the Aces. This is just, you know, me analyzing it or whatever. They're viewing that, uh, didn't know how much time that she was going to miss. And do you get a chance to get someone like Amanda Zui B who fans will love? Uh, cause she is a very good player. Uh, charismatic as well too. Uh, and I, and I think it'll be a good fit for the Aces, but I kind of feel that the Aces maybe feel that Dierica Hamby's better days are behind. Not many, uh, WNBA players, um, you know, play longer, you know, after they have a, a second child. There are very few players that have one child, uh, in the league. So even though Dierica Hamby, as I had called her, the de-energizer, um, just, up and down the floor, uh, fantastically. Uh, who could forget the, some of the great memorable moments that, uh, she's had with the aces? Uh, the hand heave, of course, the half court shot, uh, of course, one of my all time favorite uh, calls. And, uh, but you know, I just want to speak about Derek Hamby, the person, a person that was so genuine, so down to earth, uh, always made the time, um, you know, not just for me and our show and the interviews and during the broadcast with the Aces, but just for fans. Always there to sign autographs. Her child, Amaya, um, you know, now four years old, uh, just uh, a, a treat to be around. And she was part of the Aces, you know, locker room, uh, would travel on the road with the team and everything. Uh, so, yeah. Dierica Hamby and Amaya, they are going to be missed. Her play on the floor will definitely be missed because very few players play like Dierica Hamby the way she just goes all out, uh, offensively, defensively. Of course, back to back six woman of the year, you know, the two time, uh, all star now WNBA champ with the Aces. She will be sorely missed and uh, rooting for her as, uh, she will be playing with the LA Sparks. After she has her second child, uh, which is a boy that's on the way, legend. So, uh, look forward to seeing her back here again. And we know that uh, she'll get a staying ovation and, uh, but she'll be, pl- she'll basically be playing the aces at least three times during the course of the year as a member of the Sparks. So yes, that news uh, came out yesterday that, uh, Dierica Hamby no longer remember the aces traded to the LA Sparks. All right. Uh, we continue on speaking here. In uh, in Vegas, uh, the Golden Knights, Marco, very impressed with the victory that they had on Saturday night. I was uh, rolling through the Cosmopolitan after the game uh, on um, Saturday night as I went to bet my my ticket that I wasn't so happy that uh, I, I that I lost. As I was going up the escalator to see our good friend Johnny uh, over at Blue Ribbon, uh, there is a a, a couple Caps fans, and they had their Caps jerseys on, Washington Capitals jersey. And so I was so entrenched, you know, with, with football that day. I said to the, you know, un, unbeknownst to know what the final score was, I said, oh, I said, so, I said, how'd the, how'd the game go tonight? And I go, it sucked. <laughs> and I go, oh, yeah. I go, what was the final score? And this guy looks at me like, it was six to two. And, you know, Golden Knights. And I go, oh. And I said, well, about time for the Knights. And the guy goes, what do you mean about time? He goes, they got like the best team in the league. What are you talking about? This and that. I go, I go, well, it's about time that they won at home. And he goes, what are you talking about? So I, I had enough of him. I go, what are you talking about? I go, do you know what's going on with this team at home? I go, they're fantastic on the road, but I go, they have problems at home. I go, they have one of the worst home records of it. Well, the worst home record of any division leader or any of the contenders. No question about it. So I go, that's what I mean by that. So yeah, take your six to uh, your loss and see you later. <laughs> yeah. They played well. On, I didn't say that last part. They played. <laughs> I wanted well, to though. They played well on Saturday, but Sunday was an absolute. They like they didn't show up 24 hours later. They get beat four to one to Arizona on the road. Are you kidding me? Now, the Arizona arena that they're playing in is is the college of Arizona State right now. So Tempe, it's a different yeah. it's a different atmosphere. I mean, the it looks like the crowd is right on the ice with you, basically. But uh still Arizona's a bad hockey team. And the growing concern for me going to the games in the last couple that I've gone to, and I was Washington wasn't my game because I split my season tickets. So I didn't get to see them play well. But the last few that I've been to 
They come out of the locker room, first period, second period. They're getting outplayed in that first three minutes of the periods, and they're giving up a goal. You start the game behind one nothing right away. It's uphill from there. Then you tie the game, and then you come out in the second period, and you give up another quick goal again. It, I don't know why they can't get any consistency going right now. I know it's injuries. It's too, you know, it's too easy to always blame injuries because every team in the league goes through stretches of injuries. Um, uh, but this team's not playing well. Um, Eichel, who is super sharp, hasn't been that good since he's come back from the injury. I think I jinxed him because I added another jersey to my collection and I got, I got an Eichel jersey <laughs> and, uh, my buddy told me, do not wear it anymore because I, they haven't won in a game that I've gone to wearing that jersey. <laughs> Oh, jeez. Yeah. And so you were, went to the Red Wing game. I went to the yeah. Red Wing. My buddy yeah. was in town, took him to yeah. – he was in from Detroit, and uh, we had a fun night. He had more fun than I did, obviously, because the Red Wings won. Yeah. But that was another game. They gave up goals right at the first period, yeah. right at the second period, and you're playing catch-up the whole the whole time, and they're just not doing it. Yeah, you're talking about what, what used to be called the Wells Fargo Arena, and then they changed the name a little bit, right? That That's the the arena there on campus at ASU. Right, Mullet Arena. Now, now it's Mullet Arena. Yes. Okay. Now that's the same arena where Arizona State basketball team plays. Everything right in the hockey. Right. Team. It, it, yeah. And the hockey team plays there. College, right. Yeah, you call it. Yeah. So, and I've a, actually coached games way back in the day there, and actually called an Aces playoff game the year before last against uh, the, the Phoenix Mercury because we got kicked out. Uh, the playoff game got kicked out of the the arena there where the Suns and the Mercury play because Disney on Ice was in town, so we had to go play and and so it was right on top for a WNBA game. I mean, you're right on top. I can only imagine how it is for hockey in that arena. And I used to think, you know, because I was there 20 years ago, you know, that hey, that's pretty cool arena, but you get to see how outdated it is, and just you know, talking about. You know, playing a hockey game there, I can't even fathom that. Well, if you remember, this team started the season out with 14 straight games on the road. Right. Because they're built, you know, yeah. the arena wasn't ready. They're building their arena. Then they're playing in, you know, the, the, Play college. the casino there for yeah. a while. You know, it's, it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Right, and to lose to them. And now the Knights got to go on an East Coast road trip and they're going to face, I think, both the Ra- Rangers, Islanders and, uh, the New Jersey Devils. The Devils and the Rangers are good teams. The Islanders are, you know, they're not playing well right now, and that team can't score. But this is going to be a big road trip for them. Uh, you, you can't go on the road and lose all, all four games. Mm-hmm. And what has been your take with uh, Cassidy so far? I, at the beginning of the season, I saw they were playing with a different, you know, spirit attitude right now. They're too many times they're lifeless on the ice. They're getting out skated. Um, their passes aren't as crisp. You know, again, you know, I sit behind the net. So you see the plays develop. Their passing game to the teams they're playing is not as sharp. And that goes to all of the different lineups that he's had to juggle because of the injuries. You don't have that, that chemistry where, you know, lines other than the misfit line that, for whatever they keep that line together, you know, from the first year, uh, there all the other lines get moved around because you're trying to find the right chemistry and you got to replace a star. The other growing concern is some of the key guys are logging a lot of minutes right now. TC that is going to take its toll later in the season because they have to to try to get some offense. When you look at the Golden Knights still leading the Pacific Division at this point in time you know, right now with 60 points, but it, it doesn't really seem, does it to you that this is a first place team? Not right now. Yeah. And one of the things, and it's funny. And I, when I went to the game, uh, two games back, when I went with my buddy, Brian, Logan Thompson has been good all year, but he's not been solid lately. Right. And ironically, you know, I, I turned to my buddy, I said, you know what? I said, this is the old baseball angle. He got named to the all-star game. That's, you know, a big yep. thing for him. And remember the old angle in baseball, how we used to always go against starting, you know, a pitcher that got named to the all-star team for the first time because, you know, mentally you have a letdown. It's, it, it's a big deal. And he's not playing like an all-star goalie right now. 
I mean, this is he hasn't started all the games. I mean, right, of the yeah. forty eight games, but I'm you know worried about the wear and tear a little bit. And just again, this this guy's still a youngster. He's not used to playing, you know, this many games in the NHL. You know, I, I was shocked he started last night because yeah. he started Saturday here. And then usually when you play a back to back, you're bringing the backup in, but Hill's not been great either. Mm-hmm. All right. Keep an eye on the, uh, the Golden Knights, but they, like Marco said, they go on an East Coast, uh, uh, road trip, uh, coming up this week. I know, uh, Friday they got the, uh, the Rangers yeah. at the garden as well, too. So we'll keep an eye on that. All right. Uh, basketball, uh, tonight. We've uh, got kind of a light schedule, but uh, got a couple interesting games here tonight. Duke and Virginia Tech. Um, Duke fourteen and five. This is not the same Duke team that we're accustomed to seeing. Uh, they are coming off of a win. They've lost. Sev- uh, they're facing Virginia Tech, who's lost seven in a row tonight. And I know a lot of people, Marco, will look at this and saying, "Hey, you know, Virginia Tech is a, is a two and a half point favorite, you know, over Duke. Maybe some value there with with Duke, especially, you know, when would you ever think that you would have Virginia Tech, or whoever for that matter, just do kind of a blind resume team uh, here, and a team that's lost seven in a row is a a two-and-a-half-point favorite over Duke. And that's what you got tonight. Yeah, and, you know, for me, you know how this is one of those ones where you look at the lines and scratch your head. You got, you know, name-wise, it's still Duke. Granted, Coach K is not there, but it's still Duke. A lot of people are going to bet Duke tonight just, you know, for that reason. You're getting Duke as an underdog against a team that's lost seven in a row. I actually am involved in that game tonight, TC. I went with the over. And on paper, when you look at – I got it at 137. You look at a Virginia Tech team, and if you think Virginia Tech, it's like their counterpart of the state. It was all Virginia, a hard-nosed defense, and it's a race to 60. That's not Virginia Tech this year. Other than the last game, and that's why we're getting a little bit of line value. Saturday, they played an absolute paint dry game, 51-50 against Clemson. Okay. So people are going to look at that and see 137, and there's going to be money coming in on the under, but this team actually plays at a, at a faster they pace do. this year. Yeah. And I like, and we know what Duke likes to do. Right. Duke wants to get up and down the floor. They want to toss some threes up. And I see this one going over 137. All right. No, uh, keep an eye on that there tonight. Again, uh, that game goes at four o'clock. Duke at Virginia Tech at 137, the total and Duke a two and a half point favorite. The other marquee game tonight is Kansas and Baylor. Uh, Baylor's a two point choice in this one. Uh, Baylor played Oklahoma on Saturday and uh, Oklahoma led for a majority of this game. And then Baylor hit three threes, uh, in the last minute and a half, uh, to, to get the victory here and ended up winning, uh, by two. You, Baylor comes back home tonight and, you know, I thought maybe that might be a good spot for Oklahoma and up basically being a push because Baylor was doing the look ahead here in that game, uh, was in Norman in Oklahoma. But now Baylor is at home tonight and Kansas is, uh, as we know, um, uh, you know, coming off, uh, two losses in a row. Baylor's won four in a row. I love KU usually and great teams like this coming off a loss. But now you got the double loss here, Marco. I know there's going to be a lot of people who are going to play Kansas tonight. Baylor's a tough place to play. But, you know, I, I lean towards Kansas that they get the job done here tonight. Uh, again, I know you're not, you know, we talk teasers a lot with football, but when it comes to basketball, you run away from me. I mean, you just, you run. I, I don't get it. But anyway, but you could have, you could have Duke plus seven or eight, say a six point teaser. Okay, and you don't have to lay as much juice on a basketball teaser as you do the NFL. There's a reason. So, yeah, well, <laughs> you give me Duke plus eight tonight. Give me Kansas plus eight. I, I think I'm going to the window, my friend. But yeah, Kansas coming off a pair of losses in this Baylor team coming off a, a big emotional road win. This is not the same Baylor team that we've seen the last couple seasons. There's no question Baylor's down a couple notches from uh, what we've seen in the last few years. When I first looked at this game this morning, I was looking at the Kansas side, and my reasoning was, as you said, they lost two in a row. The game that they lost to start the two-game losing streak was on the road at on a Tuesday night at Kansas State, their arch rival, and that was oh, it's a bigger game for Kansas State than than Kansas when it comes to basketball. But these two schools don't like each other, and that game went to overtime. It was a you know an, a barn burner, one point game, and Kansas State escaped with the win. Everybody automatically looks for Kansas to bounce back when they come back at home on Saturday. And, you know, my buddy, somebody, you know, you know here well in the, in the city, 
Dave Koken always coined a phrase that you can lose the same game twice. A lot of times teams that come off a big game where they lose, they lose that game again because they come out flat the next game, the hangover effect. And that's what I thought happened to Kansas on Saturday against TCU. So I started to look at, you know, taking Kansas tonight. But I keep looking at that line, man. They want you to take Kansas with Baylor, the, that small favorite. And Baylor, as you said, coming off, you know, you could call it an ugly win, lucky win, whatever you want to do. I like teams that win a game that maybe mm-hmm. they shouldn't have because that can put a team on on a winning streak. So for me, I lean to Baylor in, in this one. Uh, be a good one. I know it looks tempting taking those points uh, on the teaser, TC, but the reason for the listeners why I don't like teasers in basketball, and we talk about it with football when we do teasers, you frequency of scoring. We like to tease in the NFL on the lower totals because points are more at a premium. Basketball, you can have those six points evaporate in 30 seconds. You know, mm-hmm. they come down, hit a couple threes, get a foul, the other team misses. I, I just don't like doing teasers in college basketball. Uh, from the Mountain West perspective, there's another one tonight where New Mexico, uh, 18 and two on the year. And, uh, they're actually a dog against Reno tonight. And uh, Nevada is a three and a half point choice. Uh, could be some value there on, uh, New Mexico. There could be. New Mexico is one of those teams that, you know, nobody saw this coming mm-hmm. with them this year. And they've had some games where they've won and, you know, not covered because they've been, you know, laying points. On the road, going to Nevada, it's a bad, it's a tough place to play. Nevada is not as good as we've seen some of these teams in the past. Uh, but they are 15 and five. They are coming off a loss returning home. Last time they were at home, they played a Utah State team, which, um, is a team that I thought was going to be better than they were this year in the Mountain West. They blew the doors off them, uh, winning by 15. So we'll see what happens here. I'm not involved in this one. I can understand New Mexico looks inviting getting those points, but uh, we'll see what they can do on the road. Uh, they played Wyoming earlier in the year on the road, escaped with a one-point win. They didn't cover. And then the very next game, they played Fresno State on the road, and they lose by four in that one. So, But they did blast San Diego State on the road, if you look at that, which they, was the they, toughest opponent in the Mountain West, you could argue. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree with you on there. So this is a Tough, team I yeah. can't really get a handle on. Yep. All right. Good stuff. All right, Marco, I appreciate uh, you hanging with us today, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you on Friday back at the Superbook at uh, the Westgate. Marco D'Angelo, wagertalk.com. He handicaps it all. Go to wagertalk.com. Subscribe to Marco's Plays and get it. And all week long, we will be going on and on to the break of dawn, talking about the AFC and NFC Championship games and handicapping that from all angles. We'll be looking at the totals and, of course, keeping a very close eye on the injury status, especially with Patrick Mahomes as well, too. So um, looking forward to a lot of breakdown in the next coming days and especially Fridays with our best bet on Friday, Marco. Yeah, I can only gain one game on Trevor. That's it. <laughs> All right, brother. Appreciate you hanging out today. No problem. Anytime. Uh, All right. We'll exchange food picks later. I I know you're going to be wine and dining tonight uh, as well. So, Drowning sorrows. There you go. Good (laughs) man. Yeah. He sends me a picture last night. He goes, I got this beautiful steak in front of me, but it doesn't taste any good because I'm coming off this loss. It's like, you know what? Put that steak in front of me, buddy. I'm no problem down it. All right. For Marco D'Angelo and Numchuck, Chuck Esposito joined us from the Red Rock. Appreciate you joining us. Go to tcmartinshow.com. Check out our review on the website, plus everything there, the podcast, everything at tcmartinshow.com. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 2.